Well, good morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike, and uh, it's been a while since I've posted a video. Uh, maybe since my last live thingamajigger. But last week we were off. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I do need to get some of these posted sooner rather than later. Maybe tonight, tomorrow morning. We got a lot of rainy days coming up. So, one of the reasons I haven't posted as much is I've really gotten into a, or, or really returned to an old hobby, which is mountain biking. After having discovered that we have some really great trails uh, very close to my house, like five to eight minutes drive from my house, I can I can start a trail that is man, I I think it's a great trail. I don't I don't know what to call it, like world class or <laughs> be hard to be hard to uh, figure out just how good it is because I haven't been to a lot of trails, but I think it's a great trail and it's it's rough. Um, it's very diverse in the in the types of uh, the different types of uh, terrain. Uh, from you know, dirt pack to mud to rock to roots uh, and uh, quite steep in places and a little bit flat in places and, uh, it's just it's just a very wild meandering trail um, and it, it you have to take this old logging road up to the trailhead and that that the first time I tried it, it took me like an hour and ten minutes just to get up there about it's about two miles I suppose the whole trail is about four miles a little over four miles probably but it's two miles uphill basically uh, and mostly gravel uphill and some of it's washed out and there's a few places that are concrete um, but yeah it's it's a really difficult uh, approach as far as just uphill, boring, monotonous, and very cardio, uh, very cardio, I guess, is where to say that. But the first time, I probably had to stop five, around five times just to catch my breath and to get some rest on the way there. Uh, and it took me over an hour, hour and ten minutes. Uh, but now I'm down to not having to stop at all. Uh, and reaching it in about 30 uh, and even under 30 minutes, which is a pretty big improvement uh, that I'm pretty, pretty excited about. Uh, I went yesterday. Uh, I've got a, a morning class, an early morning class and a late afternoon class, and so uh, I've got lots of hours in between time that I can do something like that. So I went... And uh, did this trail, and man, it was great. Really nice. Uh, got up, was able to do the, the, the whole approach in less than 30 minutes, and I never got into my lowest gear, uh, which means I was always traveling a bit faster than I have before. Um, and that's a, that's a huge, huge improvement for me. Um, I've been doing this trail 
maybe once, sometimes twice a week, um, just as often as I have the energy to get out there and try it. But so that's kind of uh, yeah caught my fancy as of late. Um, shred in the hills, doing some mountain biking. Um, but life has been going on, you know. There's uh, still lots of stuff going on in the world and in the church uh, and in religion. Um, and things just don't seem to be um, settling down. There, we, we seem to be in this huge state of limbo. And I, I, All right, so Facebook, the dynamics of, of social media... Uh, is that you tend to surround yourself with like-minded people, <clears throat> right? So that basically what Facebook becomes is uh, a tool by which you are able to collect uh, people who, who think like you uh, into one... Um, communication room in a sense being your Facebook page right and everybody has a different uh, everybody has their own room but in your room are only people that you let in your room right in a sense you have a lot of control and so the people that you tend to want to be friends with probably are people who you have an affinity uh, with for various reasons whether they like the same sports team as you, they're from the same hometown as you, uh, or uh, they think uh, similarly to you politically, religiously, uh, philosophically, or whatever. Uh, and those those people you collect and, and you put them into your room and then you spend, you know, an hour or two every day uh, reading their thoughts uh, and, uh, you know, putting some of your thoughts in. The problem is, is it, and I just caught myself, the problem is that is where I primarily get my information from these days. Uh, and it's the people that I trust to have a... I got something jingling back there. My Facebook page is the people contains the people uh, that I trust to have a an honest uh, and astute view on the world. But it does become an echo chamber because, because of the fact that I have control of who I put in my room. Um, yeah, I mean, of course there is a collection. It's not like the only people in your room are people that, that think like you. Um, that's possible to do, I suppose, uh, at least on, on one level or another. Uh, I suppose if you are, for example, a Republican, uh, you could make a, a personal rule that you only allow other people who support the Republican Party into your uh, into your room, and and that would tend to 
diminish the diversity of thought <laughs> greatly, I would think. Um, but generally speaking, we have Generally speaking, we have um, a variety of people in our in our rooms, I suppose, but probably not as big as it should be if we want to get a true uh, barometer reading on on the the state of the world, um, at least the state of the world um, that is relevant to us. Um, <clears throat> and I suppose at one point people saw this problem and that's why they they created uh you know network news and newspapers and things like that to to broaden our thinking the critique on the media these days however is that they have all gone very narrow right uh and biased uh and the general critique is that uh, Sorry. The general critique uh, is that the media have gone liberal, uh, are are leaning toward the left, and therefore uh, skewing the true reality uh, of the world, in a sense. Right. That's the that's the critique. Um, I pro I don't think that's true, and I think part of it's because of the internet, and that people tend to uh, take the news from wherever they agree with. Right? We no longer depend on newspapers and television uh, as our primary news sources. We we get our news. You know, we pick and choose the news that we want. Um, and that we agree with and that we believe, which is uh, a whole other problem, right? Um, what we don't seem to have in the world today uh, is anyone who is trusted uh, to be um, unbiased, right? We don't. We don't have any news source that we trust uh, that is going to be balanced. Sorry, I don't know why I'm so sleepy this morning. Um, yeah, so, so my, my, uh, my critique on the world as, you know, so unsettled and, and everything's up in the air, especially with religion, is based on the echo chamber that is my Facebook page uh, and that may or may not be accurate uh, and I guess I need to have a little bit of a, a little bit of a reality check uh, in that case um, and remember that you know there's more information out there that I am not accessing uh, which might be healthy for me to remember uh but one of the things that did come up on my Facebook page, again, by a person that I um, have been following for quite some time, 
uh, deals with this idea the idea of Christianity and culture. And modern Christianity, evangelical Christianity especially, wants us to believe that the problems in the church today are uh, caused by our failing to separate ourselves from modern culture. That modern culture uh, is what is causing the problems in evangelical today. Um, that, that people in the church are acquiescing to cultural norms uh, and, and, uh, and um, becoming more and more immoral, I suppose, is how we'd say that. Uh, which, of course, uh, has always been a concern, right? <clears throat> there is always a concern uh, that the church is not staying true to its uh, mission uh, and, and, and the way, right? Not staying true to the way, um, the purposes of of the church as defined by Jesus himself, right? Uh, and so, of course, this is always a, always a, a problem, <clears throat> in a sense. But what my friend pointed out was, he thinks that even though that could be the case, he thinks the larger problem is that the church, at some point in history, acquiesced to... Uh, a, a uh, culture um, that used to exist, that no longer exists. If that makes any sense. And it may not. Um, and I think, I think, now I think we could say that this happened many times, that, that there, are, there are decisions that the church made in the past to um, compromise uh, its message and mission, uh, and and to um, I have no better way to say this to get in bed with the powers that be, in order to you know be guaranteed their survival or something, whatever. However, they saw that right. <clears throat> <coughs> Sorry, I got a little frog in my throat this morning. Ribbit. Uh, and um, yeah, so he, what he was pointing out was is that yes, the church did this many times through its history, uh, and we are just now seeing the uh, not the benefits. What's the opposite of the benefits? The 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 fruits of those uh, mistaken decisions. Uh, that it's that the problems in the church today were created in the church's past and are just coming to fruition today. Um, which uh, I, could, I could point to several uh, instances where I think that's the case. And that, well, the first problem is you, you have to define, okay, what is the, you have to define what the state of the church is today that you that we're talking about like what is that state and nobody's going to agree on that right that, that's going to be a hard thing to define um, but I think we could look at 
current trends in evangelicalism for sure of uh, pastors quitting right of people walking out and and becoming unchurched uh, people becoming fed up with the institution uh, the institution itself losing credibility right losing all credibility in the world um, the the trends in evangelicalism of biblicalism right or, or textualism of trying to follow the the letter of the Bible and making an entire legalistic system based on that uh, um, that ideal that we have to follow the Bible right um, that the Bible has authority right all of these all of these ideas at some point entered into Christianity uh, and what he is saying is that these these bad ideas that entered into Christianity at some point are what are causing the current evangelical debacle or collapse um, and you have to you have to admit evangelicalism is in crisis um, I'm one of the people that's that's kind of just um, walked out on it uh, thinking that there must be there has to be a better way and I think that that question if you've been a Christian for very long I'm pretty sure you've had the question is this really it is this what I signed up for is this is, is you know is this all there is? Is this the church? And and I think if you're honest, I think you're always going to be not always, certainly currently, uh, you're going to be disappointed with how you look at uh, church uh, and how the promise of Christianity hasn't lived up to the reality. Um, man, I had great hopes as a young man of 11. <laughs> a, a boy of 11, let's say, uh, when I decided to join the church. Um, I had great hopes that, that everything was going to magically um, fix uh, that, that everything that was wrong in my life was going to be magically fixed uh, because of my decision uh, to follow Jesus that that was the promise that, that Jesus would heal and fix and forgive uh, and empower uh, all of the promises uh, that, that we believed um, when we decided when we made the decision to follow Jesus um, I can say right now, flat out, none of that was true for me for a very long time. It did not live up to the promise. And the reason that I was always given, or that I always understood, was that I was the problem. 
right? So if Jesus has not lived up to his promises, it's not Jesus who is at fault, but you. You are too sinful. You don't have enough faith. Uh, you don't you don't believe. You don't read your Bible enough. You don't pray enough. You don't give enough. And this is this is the <laughs> this is the message out there in evangelicalism, like it or not. I mean, good grief. This is this is what people feel. That if if Jesus is not living up to the promises that were made to you, that it's your fault. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you how hard you have tried to live up to the example of Jesus, uh You've never made it. You've never you've you've failed constantly. You've never gotten there. You've never achieved that goal. Um, and and because of that, you have always felt inadequate and to some extent unloved, unforgiven, unfulfilled. And what kind of Christianity is that? What kind of good news is that? That, all right. Here's the here's the good news. Here, here's the uh, the good news gospel that evangelicalism pushes. Jesus loves you. He wants to take away all your sins. He wants to forgive you. And if you will just go to church, read your Bible, pray, and give, uh, your life will be perfect. Your life will be beautiful. You will be caught up in Jesus. Uh, you just have to do those things and you'll be good, right? problem is, no matter how much you do those things, it doesn't work. Because there's no experience of God to be found in those things. Right? Not to mention the fact that the whole idea of having to do something to get something is transactional Christianity. There's no transaction in the good news. The good news is, no transaction needed. You are going to receive the free favor of Jesus and experience him in your life. So the question is, again, if Christianity has not lived up to the promises that you were given when you made the decision to follow Jesus, is there something that's blocking you from receiving those promises? Is it your fault? Um, this gets into a slippery slope, right? Can you quench the spirit in your life? I think, I think you can. I think it's possible. Um, but I think... 
the thing that blinds us to the presence of Christ in our lives is the system itself, right? This transactional system itself uh, and the, the misgiven promises that have been made. The truth is, Christ is available all around us all the time. But sometimes we, we have put on blinders and these blinders are basically um, fed by self-loathing, right? Our, our hatred of self um, to the point where we think uh, because we're not perfect, we are unable to receive Jesus in any real way. We're unable to experience Jesus or the presence of the divine in our lives. Um, and so we've, yeah, I think we can blind ourselves. Now, is that, does that mean that that's our fault? I don't think fault is the right word. Um, because I don't think any of this, I don't think any of this and anything that I've talked to up to this point has anything to do with eternal salvation. This, what we're talking about now, is in this life, in this body, on this earth, experiencing God day to day. That's what we're talking about here. And that's a different subject altogether. And so many of the problems of theology that I have with friends on Facebook stem from this one fact. Much of what they read to be about eternal salvation or eternal damnation I believe to be about this temporal life on earth the things that they read uh, in the Bible that are apocalyptic or uh, about the end of times they read it as the end of times I don't read it that way I read it as as how they are in in this life now uh, today that most of the Bible is written for you to learn how to find heaven on this earth in this body in your lifetime that's the heaven and the hell that is talked about but it has nothing to do with final salvation now I think final salvation is another thing altogether okay I think that's that's something that that is and will happen um, but I think most of what's written in the New Testament is mistakenly taken for end-of-times prophecies when in fact most of it 90% of it I would say maybe even 99% of it is about how to be on this earth as a follower of Christ and a citizen of the kingdom of heaven spreading the gospel of acceptance and love and joy and comfort and abundance on this earth for this earth on earth as it is in heaven as Jesus said in the Lord's prayer
Um, so much of it, so much of what we have taken is eschatological um, passages are actually not so. Uh, and as soon as you make that paradigm shift, it's a pretty big one, but as soon as you make that paradigm shift, you'll see what I'm saying, right? The sheep and the goats, nothing to do with the end of times. Everything to do with how we are on this earth now. Um, Matthew 24. Nothing to do about the end of times. Everything to do about AD 70 and what was going to happen when the uh, when the the um, Romans finally decided to stop putting up with the the violence of the Jews, right? Not that the Romans are innocent here, uh, but because the Jews refused to stop fighting back violently, the Romans cracked down. Um, the list goes on and on. Even Revelation, oh my gosh. The book of Revelation can be read a completely different way. Now, I believe that the last two chapters of Revelation do have something to do with um, final salvation. Very much so. But most of Revelation is a code that we have yet to crack or that I have yet to find who has cracked it. Right? It's, it's a code. It's something else. It's saying something else altogether. And I've heard hint, hints and pieces of it. Um, for example, apparently the actual birthday of Jesus is is uh, one of the uh, one of the codes in Revelation. So it's it's almost like Revelation is the gospel written in code. Um, and people at one time had the key. Um, to decipher it, but we've lost that key. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff like this, a lot of things like this that that we have writ, read one way because of, I think a lot of it's because of Greek influence, um, and uh, the Pentecostals have taken it to its nth degree with the rapture and all this stuff. Um, but people like N.T. Wright, um, Brian Zond, uh, they are bringing back uh, some of the original um, intentions of these books, right? They're bringing them back. They're, they're making sense of them once again. Uh, and this is a super important thing to do. <clears throat> oh, man, I've kind of meandered today. Yeah, that that one thing is huge, right? The the um, reading of the Bible uh, as having lots of uh, end of days prophecies, when actually um, the end end of days were sometimes only you know thirty years away <laughs> that they were talking about, or forty. Um, it's a different way to read the Bible. But I think if the Bible does not have um, 
a message for us today in this life, a message that's going to help us to, to cope and to navigate this world better, then I'm not sure it has much value at all. And so I choose to read the Bible in a way that gives it the most value possible. And that is that it is pertaining to my everyday life now and here. And following Jesus means finding heaven here on earth and spreading heaven here on earth. Um, and that is good news for everybody. And Jesus is the good news, right? Uh, at the end of the day, Jesus is such good news that that his 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 message to us is um, Father forgive them for they know not what they do right? they don't know they're ignorant please forgive them they don't they don't understand what they're doing right sort of, sort of like a child who you know a toddler who who breaks a glass well they don't know you know, what a glass is. They don't know if you tip it over, it's going to break the first time they do it. They don't understand any of this stuff, right? They, they are ignorant. And there is so much that we humans are ignorant about the world and what's gone on here and, and what God is actually doing and, and what Jesus is actually about and what's actually expected of us. Uh, which is, I would say, nothing. I think nothing's expected of us and everything's hoped of us. And I think that's a huge difference. I think, I think Jesus just takes delight in his children. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So, I'm not sure where I started, but I started with the echo chamber of Facebook. And I ended up back at the cross, so I guess that's always a good place to end up. Um, but to me, at the end of the day, the cross is always saying, screaming, right? I love you and nothing else. I love you. I just love you. I want you to know how much I love you. And if you think me to be all-powerful and all-knowing and all-good and all-present, then you have nothing to worry about. Just accept my love. It's there for you. I'll take care of everything. I just want you to know that I withhold nothing from you, not even my life. Uh, and I love you. What other message would we need? What other detail is lacking in that message? It's hard to accept. And even when you accept the message, there's still hard things that come up in life. There's still times that you'll be frustrated with yourself for not, uh, not getting better at the, at the, you know, the weaknesses that you feel like you should be better at. But I think the way Jesus speaks into those longings, right, the longings for us to, to be better, to be more righteous than we have for ourselves, is that I love you even if you don't. I love you if you do. 
If you do, better for you and better for the people around you, but it doesn't change my love for you. Whether or not you are able to achieve some some you know semblance of righteousness does not impede my love and acceptance of you. No matter how many times you fail, I made you, and I knew you would fail when I made you. And so in a sense, I designed you to fail, but your failure is part of your growth, and it's going to help you to mature into the kind of person that is best for you and best for the world. But if you know nothing else, know this. I love you completely. Well, my guitar fell. I love you completely with all my heart. And all my mind and all my soul and all my body. Hmm, that's interesting. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. But that's how he loves us. That's actually... Um, not something that we can do, but it shows how much God loves us. All right, I'm going to end it right there. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.